Bless the reading of your word. We ask you, Lord Jesus, reveal to us the desires of your heart. We thank you that we can have peace in the storm. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we are challenged today. I pray, God, that everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone that you will be speaking to, May we open our heart up and receive. I thank you. You've given another chance to make you first. You gave us another opportunity to start a year different, more purposeful and intentional and strategic. Thank you. You owe us nothing but in your grace and mercy you give for that I say thank you Jesus it's in your name we pray amen and amen I believe I could have listened to her sing all day take your Bibles out find the book of 2nd Chronicles 2nd Chronicles I have been talking for a while, <clears throat> on ending 2019 better than we started it, and you're, you're probably thinking, dude, we're like, we're like three weeks in, um, it, it's no longer Happy New Year. <clears throat> well, it can be, and, and I, I, I wanted us to end 2019 focusing on prayer and Ending it closer to Jesus than we started the year. I realize we're running a marathon and it's not a sprint. But, but, but as we, I want us to just try to grasp the reality that God has given us another chance. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever that looks like for me, you are here today. The word will be read and we have an opportunity for a big restart. I, 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 I don't do well, and you know this, in titling messages. I, I, I love to put titles on series, but if I was going to title this one, I would title it New Decade, New Decisions. Because if we don't do things differently, we're just going to get the same results. And I'm not trying to even remotely insinuate that you're making wrong decisions. Here, here's, here's, here's my standpoint today. And that is, I hope that we recognize the room to grow in our life. Because we're still here, we're not there. When we get there, you don't got to think about it no more. But until then, we are in a constant war with the enemy. And what we do in preparation for the onslaught, for the, for the, the little guppies that nip at you, you know what I'm talking about. The, the better we're prepared for that, the more likely we are to see a victory. 
We've, I, 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 my desire today is that we would just lay down any thought we had that we had control over anything. Because we do not. None. None. The only thing we can do is make decisions as they align with this word. And God promises. He doesn't promise you money. He doesn't promise you anything other than joy, the abundant life, peace that passes all understanding, that you don't have to fight your battles. To me, that's, 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 that's worth scrapping for, to me. That's worth digging for. Amen? And at the risk of sounding like a motivational speaker, which I am not, I, uh, I, I believe God's moving greatly on behalf of our church. Uh, thank you, Rob. <laughs> I'm, glad it, I'm glad you recognized that. <clears throat> we'll rewind. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a motivational speaker, I want to say that I believe God is moving greatly on behalf of Living Water. If you go to a church and the Spirit doesn't move, people aren't drawn to our Creator through Jesus. If the altar was something that the old guys just used, I hope today, I hope today, that you reestablish some standards and convictions. And if, you know what, if you're good to go, will you pray for me as I preach today? I believe God is moving greatly on our behalf. I also believe that we get a little closer every week to our place of position so that God can move us to a new level. Again, I'm not a motivational speaker. As I pray, these are the things that the Lord tells. I get excited. I get excited for what tomorrow brings. I really do. I don't dwell on yesterday. I don't, I don't dwell on the things that didn't work out. I get excited for the new visions and the new ideas and the future. But that comes with new decisions. And it's my desire that we continue in unity and we catch and keep the vision that God's given us and that we get planted and we, we, we really set some roots so that the enemy cannot come along and in one swoop kill what God is doing. And, and I'm, I'll try to preach you happy today, because clearly you are just so bummed out. <clears throat> but, but that's not the top of my list, so just know that. But, but I will say this. I, the story of Achan is a good lesson for us. You, you know, it only takes a little leaven to ruin the whole loaf. Takes one. I want to be right with God. You want to be right with God, or you wouldn't be here. You got other things you could do on Sunday morning. I know that. 
And I'm glad you're here. If it's your first time, my name's Jeff. I'm glad you're here. But I, 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 I made a commitment to the Lord that I will not squander a minute of his time with Babel. I want to tell you where we're going. Where we're going is it's a new decade. Any decisions I need to make in my life that will bring me closer to Jesus Christ, I want to make them, and I know you do too. Do you want that? Can I see your hand if you want that? Everybody, if you didn't raise your hand, you just don't want to play with us because everybody wants that. I know you do. I get it. I get it. Well, I want to give you some, some practical things that you can do. We got to be hungry for him. Amen? We've got to be hungry and thirsty. We've got to be all in. We've got to make our mind up. We've got to make any change in our life that needs to be made. It could be something we need to add, something we need to take away. I don't know what it is, but I, I, want, to, I want to be in tune with the voice of the Lord. Amen. I want to be like, and I know you do too, but I'm just, I, I, I won't throw you under the bus or, 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 or air, air, air your desires. I, I'm talking about me. I want to be like the prophet who said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. History has proven, and it is today, that, and I don't think anybody in this room will disagree with me, that the American church has become so distracted that we cannot sustain a move of God. We, we get distracted on church growth. We get distracted on, on what our mate did or didn't do. We get distracted worrying about our bank accounts. And we get distracted. It's going to take... Listen, I understand that distraction has a lot of facets to it. And I'm not asking you to ignore situations and issues in your life on any level or to any degree. But here's what I know. Eventually, you're going to drown if you don't grab the lifeline. And that's Jesus. And that's his word. And it takes commitment. Listen, we got to not fill our head and our heart with things that have no eternal value. Are you in Second Chronicles? Stay right there. Consider the words of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. Take your worship guide out. Take some notes. You'll also see these words on the screen behind me. I want you to just feel these. I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to, uh, Solomon's getting ready to describe everything we've tried that didn't work. Verse 1 of chapter 2, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this was meaningless. I decided to cheer myself with wine, and I clutched at foolishness. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes and planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. Verse 6, I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who lived before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold. I hired wonderful singers, men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire, exclamation point. 
So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Verse 11, but as I looked at everything I worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. Meaningless. Your Bible might say futile. Your, 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 your translation might say it's, it's vanity. This is the description of life. When God is not at the center, period. Not just on Sunday, but not, and not just when, when things are going rough. I mean, period. Are you with me? Paul summed it up with one verse. Philippians 3.8 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all garbage. New King James says rubbish. King James says dung. So that I could gain Christ. Things without eternal value. You know, Kim and I have had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks. We've just tried to help folks. And here's, here's, here's what, what, what we've landed on. And it's been so clear is that offense, offense, not offense, F-E-N-C-E, offense is causing people, it's happened to me before, causing people to derail, run through the guardrail because our focus is on the offense instead of our defender. We have felt extremely comfortable in survival mode with a victim mindset. If, if we could just focus on the things of heaven, not disregarding your situation, but if you have 1% involvement and, and you're 1% part of the problem, work on your 1%. I want 2020 to be a year of breakthrough for our church, for, for you, for me, for my family, my friends. I want 2020 to be a year of breakthrough for the church down the road, for the church across the state, for churches across the nation, across the globe. I, listen, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I've got a sense of urgency in my spirit and I. And, and, I don't want it to go away. It, don't raise your hand, but do, do, you want, do you want 2020 to be your breakthrough year where finally, finally, finally you get victory over the things that just keep nagging at you? I do. I do. I do. I don't want to be distracted. God's doing some changes in Miss Kim and I's life, and in good, good, good ways. Don't, 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 don't worry. Every, everything's fine. 
Um, but in, in, in a good way, some, some refocus. Our, our time with the Lord has been so productive. Our time together has been so productive. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I know, I, I know for a fact because God has, God has said, not with an audible voice, no angel showed up, no 90-foot Jesus, but I know in my heart of hearts because he speaks through his word and through his spirit that it is for a reason. The reason is we have to be in position to take possession of our promise. I want to use, I want to use just two, two examples in the scripture. Go to 2 Chronicles verse 28, please. I want to look at two individuals. We're going to look at how they lived and, and, and how their life determined their destiny. You know, sometimes, I, I'm, I'm just going to say this before, before we dive in. The, I think a lot of times, we, the church, you, me, we, we, we spend a whole lot of time praying and, and thank Jesus, continue. But we, we, we pray instead of making the changes we need to make. We... we we try to pray our way out of a situation we behaved our way into. And, and we, need to be, we need to change our behavior. We need to change our focus. Uh, and you, can, you can pray till, you, till your throat bleeds, but if you ain't willing to change and I ain't willing to change, we, I, we just wasted everybody's time. Amen. So, so I, I really, I, I, this, this is a very specific and a very simple message today. I, 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 want us to, I want us to just be completely transparent with ourselves and with our Jesus. I want to look at two kings, Ahaz and his son Hezekiah. Ahaz, his name means one who steals. That's what his name means. One who steals. One who steals. The, the, the nation of Israel prospered and failed according to the spiritual fervor, if you will, and the commitment of the people. And many times, though, it was determined by the environment that was created by whoever was king. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, and he was a wicked king. In fact, his life is characterized by this description. It's in your worship guide. Look at it. 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1 and 22. It says this, He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of God and continually rejected the Lord. Yikes. He did not do was pleasing in the sight of God, but he continually rejected the Lord. Ahaz, the one who steals. Follow along with me in your scripture because I want you to notice that he wanted to steal the future of his family. By not being in the front lines, when, when in complacency, apathy, Whatever it looks like, you are stealing and I am stealing the future of my family. 
if we are not on point for Jesus. Specifically, Ahaz was sacrificing the future of his sons. 2 Chronicles 28, verse 3, he offered sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which means son of riches, even sacrificing his sons in the fire. Wow. Wow. And I know what you're thinking, man, because I thought the same thing when I blew through that verse. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I am not sacrificing my children, my my marriage, I'm not sacrificing my friends, I'm not sacrificing relationships, I'm not sacrificing, I'm not, I'm not, do- well, if we're not doing something that has eternal value in all of those pockets, we are. Be- because to make no decision is a decision. And to, to do nothing, when, when God clearly has given us direction on what to do or not to do, listen, we're sacrificing the future of our family, our sons. He also wanted to seal the future of his people. Look in verse 3 again. The second part, he said, He followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Verse 4, He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. He wasn't messing around. He threw in the towel, man. He was done. And that brings about a and sets an environment, if you will, of curses. He, he bowed at pagan altars. He was, he, his idolatry was totally out of control to the degree, and, 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 and the people could not be blessed as a result of that, to the degree that it says he followed, he followed, he followed. This, 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 it's so important, that word is so important, because it literally means to the T. It wasn't some casual thing where he just kind of did it. No, 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 no. He followed the practices of the pagans. In other words, if you looked at his life, you would not say, okay, well, I get it, I get it. He is, he's, he's the king, and I can see clearly that there is a higher power than him. There is a one true God that he is serving, that he's loving, and he's leading the whole nation and his people and his family into that environment. You, you couldn't look at him and say that because there was no difference in him than the pagans. He followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven out, driven out. God had cleansed the land of that. He brought it back. And if you're here today and you know Jesus, he has cleansed you. He has saved you. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. It's not a remodel. It's not a makeover. It is as if you never were. Think Adam. You were deconstructed and he breathed his life into you. We we can't let what yesterday... The, the, the mistakes of yesterday, we, 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 God, God ran those out of town. Do you understand that? Those at the cross were done away with. 
And the only way, hear me very carefully, the only way that can come back at your heels is because that old man died. Can I get a witness at least on that? Awesome. Thank you. The, The old man died. The only way, the only way for that to come nipping back at you is you got to go out, dig that old man up, and do the things you did as the old man. That's it. That or your Jesus is weak, and I personally don't want a part of it. Because our decisions create our environment. It creates the environment for your family. It creates the environment for your people, for your church. I hope you're getting this. He didn't just that. He wanted to steal the future of the temple. He did not want anything to do. And this is the progression, church. It's what I want you to see. And what I want you to see is the progression that he made. He, he, at first, he had problems in his home. And instead of fixing that, it leaked out now into the people. He was publicly, publicly offering sacrifices to pagan idols. And this this became such a problem, which sin unchecked will always do. He now wanted nothing to do with anything to do. Jeff, I would never do that. Jeff, that's not going to. Do you know how many people have told me that? You know how many people have told you that? I, I, I know this. I'm one stupid decision away from losing everything. I'll own it. Jeff, I, you're, you're, a, you're a preacher. Doesn't mean jack. If I'm, if I'm making stupid decisions, I can have a calling on my life, an anointing. And I, listen, I am and you are one stupid decision away, a rebellious decision of disobedience away from losing everything. If that doesn't shake us in our boots, I don't know what will. And I'm not trying to scare you. This is, I want today to be a reality check. There's a progression, church. He wanted to steal the future of the temple. Verse 24 of 2 Chronicles 28 said, The king, Ahaz, took the various articles from the temple of God and broke them into pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there. And he set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. Why do, I, why do I bring up Ahaz, the one who steals? Simply to draw attention to something you already know. But God just wants me to remind you that our disobedience and lack of commitment to God doesn't just hurt us. What we steal, quote unquote, impedes the progress of everyone. It's kind of like when I was 18 years old and our son was born. Thank God he's leading worship today on the West Coast. But I'll never forget, man, I was 18 years old, little dude was born, and for some reason, they let us take him home. I mean, I I get half the equation why they let that happen. But I remember when they put him in my arms, there was a sense of responsibility, and I'll be 
totally honest with you, and fear that, sweet mother, I am responsible for this human now. I, I, I wish spiritually that that, that 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 would fall on the church. That if you think someone's not looking, watching, etc., we're wrong. We're wrong. So I bring Ahaz up not to be the end of the story, to illustrate the progression. And I don't know what the timeline is on this, but I know this. I've seen it and you've seen it. Ahaz, the one who steals. But a new king arrives on the scene. It's his son. His name was Hezekiah, which means the strength of the Lord. The strength of the Lord. What I love about the Bible is the detail. Just like Ahaz was characterized by a description, Hezekiah, his life too is characterized by a clear description. In chapter 29, I would ask you to flip your page and go to 29. Look with me at verse 1 and 2, please. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, who God clearly chosen as the next king of Israel. That's First Chronicles. There's, there's, there's two chronicles. I just found that out. <laughs> 29, verse 1. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah. Verse 2. He did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, just as his ancestor David had done. He did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. I think Hezekiah can teach us a couple things, and I just want to talk about those quickly. I think he can show us something about restoration. I think he can show us something about taking back the years that's been stolen from us. If you're taking notes, Hezekiah made a clear decision to do the right thing. To do the right thing. Here's the thing, church. When your Bible makes statements like he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, you can take it to the bank that he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Which means that he was committed to doing the right thing. And I love that phrase, in the Lord's sight, because he desired the ways of God more than the ways of self. He desired the ways of God more than the ways of sin. Hezekiah understood. He had an understanding that you can't hide from the eyes of God. You know, it's, 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 it's the classic, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Those are scary words because God knows your heart. Now, well, God knows my heart. If I didn't do this and I didn't do that because God, God knows my heart, well, you know, as soon as my wife gets her act together, that's not how it works. It's 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 not how it works. He made a decision. He understood that he couldn't do anything outside the eyes of God. God knows everything. He is everywhere. If you're here today and you, 
you don't know Jesus as your Savior and, and relied on Him for the forgiveness of your sin, or, or maybe you've been saved for a very short period of time, I, 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 this isn't a preacher line, but I want you to just feel the weight of it. What I want you to feel is this. God knows everything and is everywhere. I, just, I want you to know that. And, and for those of us who've been saved a long time, like the bigger part of our life, we need to remember that God knows everything and is everywhere. Jeff didn't get away with it. No follower of Christ got away with one. Hezekiah understood that. And it goes deeper than him knowing everything and being everywhere. And it goes deeper than our actions. He sees our heart. He, he knows our desires. He, he, he searches our motivations. Are you with me? Listen, he knows you. He knows me. With that sobering thought in mind, let's consider this question. Are, 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 are there things that, you, that, that, that are happening in private? And you're like, well, they're not in private because I, 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 I told one person. And are there things that don't, we're not playing semantics here. We need, we, this is serious. Are there things in our lives that, that we do in private that we wouldn't want to do in front of our kids? Man, I'm still working things out. I really am. We all are. None of us have arrived. I'm still working this thing out, man. But I'll say this. In our house, there wasn't parent rules and kid rules. Wasn't. Wasn't. Things that we say are adult actually are extremely immature. Are the things done in private you wouldn't want to do in front of your spouse? How about your church? Listen, friends, and I call you friends. If God put anything in your mind, please don't let that slip away and ignore it. Stop right now. Just shut me the heck out. Deal with it. Confront it. Call it out. Own it. Don't wait until we start playing ambient music for you to come at this altar and get right with your God. If anything came to your mind, do you understand that how gracious and merciful God is to even show us again? Instead of hardening our heart, turning us over, as Romans said, to a reprobate mind, or a mind that thinks only of evil or things not of God, it, are there things you would do in private? I love that. I won't, I won't read it, but write, write down in, on your notes Psalm 139. You can, the whole thing. It tells us that we can't outrun. We can't outwit. We can't outlast God. We can't. 
We can't escape the eyes of God. Can we just agree we can't escape the eyes of God? Can we agree on that? Because he's everywhere and he knows everything. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Because the thing that we, we, that we don't want anyone to know about are the things that we have got to really investigate in our life. How, how we treat our spouse, how, how, what we look at, the things we do, our thought life. When, 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 when we look at something and our mind starts to go in a direction, do you know, do you know, do you know, do you know that we are to have the mind of Christ? Are there things? I'm asking you, and you, you know, if you've been here more than once, you know that I will never stand in front of you as a hypocrite. I've had to deal with everything we've talked about. I won't do it. I won't do it. Uh, you, you know that's not, that's not how I roll. You know it isn't. And, and I, I think we can argue what we do. We can justify what we do. We can rationalize what we do. But the facts are the facts, and that is that sin blinds us. Is there anything, anything that you do that you wouldn't do? In front of someone you influence. Hezekiah made a decision to do the right thing, and he made that decision every day. He also made the decision to honor the house of God. Verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 29, second, not first, second, um, that in the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened, hallelujah, the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. I love that. And man, there's so much here, and, and I, I, could, I could literally do a series on, on that verse. But Ahaz, his pops, in his sin, he closed the door to worshiping God. He, or at least corporately, he closed the door. We think, Jeff, we'd never do that. The doors are always open to God. Now, you know, this is the New Testament, and, and I'm the temple of God. I get, I get all that. I get all that. You're a theologian. I get it. But here's the thing. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. We've got to be careful because we can easily become extremely lackadaisical in our honoring of the house of God. It is, listen, this, don't misunderstand me. We are the church. And, and you can call me old-fashioned if you want. I, it really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm old, so you might as well add the other part. The reality is that we've lost the reverence of the house of God. Ahaz took it away. Ezekiah said, we're bringing it back. When we knowingly sin, we've we got we to admit we've shut the door on God. You say, Jim, why would I say that? Well, 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 we shut the door on God because we want to keep his conviction out. It, it's the same as quenching the spirit in the New Testament. Hardening of our heart, a veil going over our heart, well, however you want to slant it. Uh, again, man, we can play semantics all day long. The fact of the matter is, is that Hezekiah made decisions that changed the course of a nation. I believe some of you today are going to reopen the doors today and the Spirit of God is going to come in and do a miraculous house cleaning. I believe that. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be up here. I, I'd, I'd honestly, I'd be playing guitar. But I believe that's going to happen today. Hezekiah made the decision to 
do the right thing every day. He made the right decision to honor the house of God. Oh, but then he made the decision to prepare the way for God to come in and stay. He prepared, he made a decision to prepare a way for God to come in and to stay. Uh, Look at verse 4. Let's read through verse 7, please. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard. Verse 5. He said to them, listen to me, you Levites. Purify yourself. Purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all. I said all. Say that word with me. All. Say it again. All like you mean it. All the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on God. They shut the doors to the temple's entry room and they snuffed out the lamps. There's so much here, God help. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. It is not a matter of merely inviting God to come in. God is not going to come in and share his presence with our trash. He won't. How do we prepare? Well, let's, let's continue to use Hezekiah as ours. How do we prepare that? What, what, okay, give me some application, Jeff. Okay, thank you for that. I want to. How do we do it? We prepare for God by purifying ourselves. Look, 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 look with me in the first part of verse 5. He said, listen, you Levites, purify yourself. He said, what, is, what does that mean? I, okay, I don't, I don't get it. What, what does that mean? You, you know what that means? This is... This is I said it's going to be a simple mess. When we repent, and that word means to completely turn from. No, not I'm sorry, I got caught. Not, mm, that's going to cost me. No, I mean, I've broken the heart of God. I've went back on who I said I was and who God created me to be. And I need to repent of that. Do you understand that God will wash you? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, pause. It doesn't mean you read off a laundry list of things. That's not what it means. It means when you come into agreement with God about sin. And, 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 and that's kind of where it breaks down for many of us. Well, it's sin for you, but not for me. Your Bible doesn't say that anywhere. 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 If we confess our sin, if we come into agreement with God about what sin is, we confess our sins. He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus. What do we do first? Well, first, man, we've got, we've got, we've got to purify ourselves. We, listen, whatever... Whatever God's speaking to you about right now, don't put it off. Well, I got I to gotta work through this and I got to work. No, what you need to do is repent and ask God for wisdom on how to clean up the mess that we've made with our life. We need to purify ourselves. If, if I may, let, let's be logical for a second. We're all adults. Let's be, let's be logical. 
Is there or is there not a ripple effect when we sin? Is there or is there not? Absolutely. Therefore, because of that, logically speaking, is there not a ripple effect of purifying yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Men, 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 men. We love to talk about being the head of our home. <laughs> give, let's give them something to follow. Amen? Let's give them something to follow. Let's, let's model something that they'll, that they'll charge after. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to fall when you do. Own it. Own it. Ladies, same for you. You must be mentoring those behind you. We've got to purify ourselves. God help us. Secondly, I believe Hezekiah bears out that we have to be brutally honest about our current condition. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, it is extremely hard to admit when you've blown it. I'll also be the first to admit is it is extremely hard to admit when you're just kind of blown it. Which, by the way, isn't a thing. It's not. And you know that it's not. But we do categorize it. Can we be honest? We do categorize it. We, we put different weight on different things. We do. And owning that is incredibly difficult. So we've got to be brutally honest about our current condition. In 2 Chronicles 29, second part of verse 6 and into verse 7, he says, They abandoned the Lord and His dwelling place. It's hard, that's hard to own, man. He had to take inventory. And this is what he discovered. They turned their backs on God. They shut the door of the temple. They snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. Here's what I'm trying to say. Hezekiah did not pretend everything was cool. He didn't. He laid it out openly. This was his dad. Do you get the dynamics here? This was his dad that did this. And he called it out, man. He called it out. Straight up called it out. He did not act like things were just a little off. No. Listen, he took spiritual inventory. He took that spiritual inventory and, 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 and he, he calls them like he sees them. He does. And it will take that type of honesty to bring about the change in our lives to move forward. See if this sounds familiar. I, I, I just... He, he said they abandoned the house, the Lord, and his dwelling place. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit the fact that I don't think God's house and our commitment to him as we corporately gather together is, it should be more than a convenience. We, 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 we should be careful to not bring in the entitled customer mindset. Like, like, listen, I'm, I'm fully aware as your pastor that there are great churches around. Praise the Lord, man. I, I, wish, I wish some more pop up, amen? 
And, I, and we'll help them any way we can to get started. Every, whatever we've written, whatever we've done, they can have it for the glory of the Lord. But I'm fully aware of the fact that you could at any time roll. And a lot of people make sure I know that. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I'm... I, my job, my, my calling is not to make you stay. My calling is to preach this book. And tell the truth in love. And to train and equip. You get the idea. And there's a lot of facets to it, but... My job is not to me. I tell you something that ministered to me, and 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 one of the reasons that we invited Rob to go on the road with us, and 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 I, and I went to Rob whenever he was one of the outside of my family, one of the first people I told that got it laid in my heart to start a church, and and he's still here. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's a he's a saint. Yeah, that ain't no joke, brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that ain't no joke. Somebody needs to take him and Michelle to lunch. That's what needs to happen. And, and I'll go along if, I mean, if, here's, we were in a vehicle and we, we were talking and I'm like, man, tell me about the time you came to know Jesus and he did. And he, he had some situations happen in his life and he, he stopped going to church. He just stopped, he just stopped, you know, serving the Lord and, 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 being about the things of the Lord, as it were. And, and, and he says, and, and Rob, if I remotely get this wrong, man, shout out the, the right thing, and I know you will. Um, <laughs> he said, one day I realized, because he was starting to feel sorry for himself. You with me still? Starting to feel sorry for himself, starting, starting to like, nobody from the church has called me, nobody. And he realized, God showed him that it is no one's responsibility for me to be right but me. And when that decision was made, he put things in place. That he began to grow in the Lord. He began to take ownership of himself. And the ripple effect that doing right and wrong causes. And I am so thankful that he did. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. I love this. Those who are planted. Just give me a few more minutes. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Psalm 29, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Flourish in the courts of our God. It's, I'm not a successful gardener. I'm, I'm no good at it. I kind of enjoy it, but I'm no good at it. But what I am is a problem solver. So if you come up to me and you give me a handful of seeds, there is no way that I will know what those are. I'm telling you the Sunday school truth. I will not know because I'm not a gardener. But here's what I'll do. As a problem solver, I'll put them in the ground. And when I put them in the ground, in a predetermined soil, when I put it in the ground, it will be drawn to the light and immediately will know what that seed was. 
That, my friend, is why many will not be planted. Church nomads, it's not a thing. Not a thing. If we'll stay planted, if we let God prune us, if we let the fresh water of the Spirit, man, just keep us alive, we eventually will flourish into the beautiful thing that decorates the courts of our God. But you've got to be planted. Notice he didn't say those who are transplanted every couple years. Are you still with me? Okay. All right. You know, you know, there's only, you have a limited number of times when you can transplant something that's been planted and expect it to live. Fair? Again, I'm not a gardener. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because every time it gets uprooted outside of its time, damage happens to its root. I love that the psalmist also didn't say that those who attend church will flourish. Let me, let me go on. God don't take attendance. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah he don't take attendance. And we come out of a desire to corporately be together, to lift up in, in unison the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he said when he is lifted up, he'll draw all men. What an honor and privilege the American church has. That many places do not. Get planted if you're not. There's a place God wants you. There's a place God's led you. And there's a place God expects you to grow. There is a prescribed soil for you. Hezekiah said we need to put in a priority the house of God and honor it. Verse 5 said, purify yourselves. Purify the temple of the Lord. Remove all the defiled things. Here's what they did. The lamps were snuffed out. They forsook the word. They, 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 they did anything and everything to go absolutely against what God had told them to do in regards to the lamps. They stopped burning incense. Representative of, of, of our prayers. And in some cases our worship in the scripture. They stopped presenting offerings. Your Bible said that. We read it. And I, and I think in so many ways, and man, I've got a I've got hundred times great things to say about the church. I'm in love with the bride of Christ. But listen to me. Somebody's got to sound the alarm. And in many ways, the church has neglected the altars and the offerings to God, both with resources and our praise and, and our time, energy, effort. I hope you're hearing my heart. Hezekiah knew that he had to make new decisions. Listen, 2020 will be a, a year of blessing or a year of curses. It'll be a year of being planted and growing or a year of in and out, 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 in and out. God's looking for a few good men and women. If we decide to do nothing, I close. If we decide to do nothing and make no changes, look at what the word of the Lord says in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 8 and 9. Your Bible, my Bible says this. That is why, 
The Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread, horror, and ridicule, as you can see with your own eyes. Because of this, our fathers have been killed in battle. Our sons and daughters and wives have been captured. They lost their family, remember? Family? People? I suggest if we want to know what's wrong in any area of our life, just consider the things that, for those of us that are Christ followers, that are believers, if we want to know what's wrong, consider the thing that God is pricking your heart about right now. Right now. Right now. And if we decide to do as Hezekiah did, put all our focus and attention back on the things of the Lord, reinforce, recommit, restore things that were broken, Blessings are the reward. Second Chronicles verse 36 of chapter 29. And Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because of what God had done for the people. Look, look, look. For everything had been accomplished so quickly. Decisions that were made to get to this point were clearly spelled out. They purified themselves. They removed the things that defiled. They purified the house of worship. They started afresh. God has prepared our hearts today. He has. He's prepared it through worship. He's prepared it through uh, our friends, through, through, through what people have said, through what the Spirit has spoke to us. I, I, I want you to take note, and, and, and we'll pray, of when all of this was happening in your Bible. Verse 3 in the first month of the first year, this could be your first year. Again, don't send me an email about the calendars and how. I get it. I get it. I really, I do. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I'm not saying that it's it's January. It says right there. That's not what I'm saying. But let's take the principle of what is being said. This could be your. First year. Renewal, restoration. The first month of the first year. If that question that we've posed to each other brought anything to your mind, I'm going to pray. And I will shut up. And I'm going to let God do what God does. I pray that you and I respond the heart and call of God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you promised that things would be restored quickly. God, that we, we're not put in church jail. God, you, you shelf only those who will disobey. You, 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 you put on the sidelines only those that will not respond to your draw. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, my friends here today, or those listening by way of podcast, if there's anything that needs restored, it's a new decade. Make new decisions. In Jesus' name, I invite you 
I'll, I'll be right here. Microphone's off. I'm done. Anybody that needs prayer, wants prayer, meet me here. I ain't, ain't going to save you. I ain't going to counsel you. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't going to give you any advice. I'm just going to pray with you. 